Freedom Center. Good to see you guys. Thanks again for being generous with uh, my wife and I. We were in Idaho last week with Pastor Adam, and they dedicated the, the groundbreaking of their, their expansion. They're doubling everything. They're doubling the size of the auditorium, doubling the kids' space, doubling their debt, uh, doubling everything. It's all, it's all doubling. So I had the honor of turning over the first shovel full of dirt um, uh, which was like, that's incredible. And then his youngest son, Hudson, had the honor of turning over the second, third, fourth. He just started digging a hole. He's five. So he started digging a hole, and uh, it was a blast to be there. Got to give uh, a message that just, you know, talking about how to stand on promises as a congregation. So it was a lot of fun. Thanks for allowing that. Now, here's the, that's, that's the good news. Here's the news that's even better for my soul, is that I'm done traveling for the next eight weeks. I will be here on Sundays and teaching and enjoying uh, worship home. So summer's over with. Every other week in the summer, we kind of jump and go to different places, but it's not summer anymore. And some of us mourn that. Some of us are like, how many of you guys are glad it's getting cool enough that you can start wearing loose-fitting sweatshirts? You don't have to suck your stomach in for the next nine months. <laughs> All right, good. Speaking of, of things getting older, um, thank you for your birthday wishes. That's very kind. I appreciate it. If you sing, I, I promise I'll play percussion. Don't do that to me. But um, the, yesterday, the, the story Dean was telling you about, uh, I was at the Michigan game, and it was, it was my birthday gift from my son. So Joshua, J.D., my grandson, Hollis, and I all went to a ball game. They were so kind, they let me pay for the tickets. And we, we <laughs> were at the 50-yard line because the old man's card is better than their card, I guess. And, and the people that sit at the 50-yard line are season ticket holders, been there for years and years and years. A gentleman behind me, probably in his 80s, Tap me on the shoulder. Now, something else you need to know is that it was Military Appreciation Day. So I, I wore my, my amazing blue shirt, but I had my first cavalry, my army unit uh, hat on. And I felt this tap on my shoulder. I turned around, and a man, probably 80 years old, said, Hey, um, where was First Cav when, when you were in Korea? I said, Well, I, Korea, the, the Korean War ended in 1953. And I said, I, I'm sorry, sir, I, I, I wasn't in Korea. I was born in 1965. He said, oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> so J.D. starts doing the math, carry the two, the four. He's, he's doing this, like I'm late at J.D. <laughs> what are you laughing at, kid? He said, that man thinks you're 91 years old. <laughs> oh. So I don't know about you, but I think I look great for 91. War as hell. I thought great for 91, so you're laughing at. So anyway, uh, I do want to say, because today is special. Today, they started the second service at Linden, which means they're with us right now. Can we say good morning, Linden, in a lifetime? Yeah. Pastor Jason and the team, you know, just God bless you. This, I hope this is working. It did when we practiced it. So what could possibly go wrong? Speaking of that, um, I just, we're going to start a new series today. I get to teach for the next six weeks or so on the rhythms, the rhythms of heaven, the rhythms. We've talked about kind of the economy of heaven and, and, and various thoughts. We're going to come at this from a different angle. How many guys know God puts rhythm into things? God puts more rhythm into some people than others. We acknowledge that. But in his creation, there is a rhythm. You look at things like the scientists have been looking at for thousands of years, like stuff like, like time. What is time? Space. What is space? Matter. And, and how can lifeless matter become life? Science has tried to probe the depths of, of what God accomplished in the first 10 words of the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he, and he deals with all of these things. Look at this. In the beginning, God creates time. In the beginning, right? God created the heavens. He created space. 
and the earth, he created matter. How many of us know that the complexities of science, I believe until Jesus comes, will still be asking questions? And they're good questions. As far as I'm concerned, I like science. I think true science and, and true Christianity get along very well. If there's biases in either one, then we can have kind of silly arguments. But, but when someone's really seeking truth, whether it's archaeologically, sociologically, psychologically, um, logically, logically, we're going to end up at some very similar, if not identical conclusions. So I, I, I like science as a former atheist and a scientific mind. The first thing I wanted to be when I grew up was a scientist. I wanted to be an archaeologist. I read about Louis Leakey and the Ogilvy Gorge in Africa finding, you know, the earliest human remains. I, I want to do that. I went through my backyard and the mean streets of Bloomfield Hills, started finding rocks and fossils and, you know, bringing home like dead cat bones going, I found a dinosaur. My mom's like, don't touch that. Just put that in the trash. It's, well, it's, it's a dinosaur, you know? And uh, so I, I like that kind of stuff. But you have to understand that, that when you see the, the intricacies, everybody say intricacies. I, I, can, I can believe Big Bang. I can believe goo to you by way of the zoo. But, it, but it's an unsatisfying conclusion for two reasons. One is it, it doesn't really begin at the beginning. The stuff that went bang has to come from somewhere. And it has to happen sometime. And there has to be some stuff. And so the, the biblical explanation of all things is a beautiful, orderly, legitimate explanation. I think bears a lot of scientific scrutiny, to be honest with you. I think it's brilliant. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when we see fine details, how many of you guys know we can see that hands have touched it if there's fine details? So the last week, I don't know if you saw the article in the newspaper, there was a little girl at like some state park where they find diamonds. They're usually poor quality yellow diamonds. She found a diamond. She's like, here's your bucket of dirt, sweetie. Start sifting through it. She found a diamond that was almost three carats. It was yellow, but it was, it was heavy, Right? Kind of, kind, of like, kind of like me. It was yellow, it was heavy, but it was, it was a diamond. But understand this, if she would have found a diamond that was clear, if she would have found a diamond that was cut, if she would have found a diamond that was polished, she wouldn't say, I found something that's been here from the foundations of the world. She'd say, I found something that's been touched by the hands of a creator, by the hands of intelligence. And so we see the same thing in, in a single human cell. Now, if you didn't know better at Darwin's age, you understood the cellular stuff because you looked through a microscope, but now molecular science and, and the science of the atom and what's inside of the atom, it, it literally, the mechanisms that cause, we, had, we showed it one time years ago, but the protein, a molecule of protein being transferred into energy to be saved and stored, there's all these things that come out of nowhere and pick up this and move it over there and go between these things. It's, it's, it's like you made it up, and yet we see it. And I got to tell you guys this, there are a lot of things that happen inside of a single cell of your body that science still cannot even come close to explaining. Why? Because it is so intricate and so intelligent and so clearly designed that it's very difficult to reconcile that with evolution. So understand this, as God has ordained time brilliantly, space brilliantly, matter brilliantly, so God has ordered for our souls which we're not quite sure what that is scientifically, our spirit, which we have no explanation for whatsoever, and our bodies, which we're, we're starting to get some things. So at creation, God set rhythms. Everybody say rhythms. He set systems. He set patterns. He set balance and emotion to govern and sustain what he made. It makes sense. Everything shouldn't be a miracle. Everything should just have some systems that create it and keep it stuck together and make it all work. So think of, think of God's creation something like the spinning plates we see in the picture. There's, there's this... 
there's this reality that someone put them there and someone placed this and someone spun that and someone figured out centrifugal force and someone figured out center of gravity and someone figured out the right pace and the right speed. But we see all these things, but they're all spinning. The passing of time, the, the functionality of day and night and our brains, melatonin and serotonin and all these things, the four seasons and the purpose they play in the water, in the soil, in the migration of animals and what those animals bring with them and take away with them, the moon and how, how it's perfectly at the right angle so that it pulls, this gravitational force pulls and pushes the oceans to create a tide. Otherwise, you guys, you guys know if there wasn't a tide, everything would stand stagnant on the shore. But instead, the tide comes in, it grabs everything, all the waste, all the debris, all the stuff that floated out of every river, and it sucks it to the depths of the oceans, where things like poop eaters, like, like shrimp, how many of you guys love shrimp? They're poop eaters. Lobsters, they're ugly. They're poop eaters, right? And the stuff is at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the ocean. They're down there eating stuff. It's just incredible how God put this all together. We see reproduction the mystery of seeds and how, how people do it, which is a lot more fun than seeds. We see rest, work, community, the need to be together, the desire to gather together. You guys realize you can get a much better sermon watching it online, but today you came together not because you thought I was gonna have this home run hit that you could get from Steve Furtick any day you want. You're here because of each other. Why is it we created a foyer way that's just as large as our auditorium? Because often the best ministry that takes place takes place outside the auditorium. Because we are created for community. It's no mistake, right? Rest, love, balance, and then, everybody say then. Over all these things, God, I can tell somebody with a large head wore this last week. I'm not going to say who, Pastor Carl. I'm just saying it's, it's ill-fitting for my, your brain is larger than mine. Over all these things, God puts Adam and Eve, and he gives them commandments, rule over. Now, look, look at this, look at this. Genesis chapter 1 says this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. Or it says blessed. God blessed them instead of them. Be fruitful and increase in number. Some commandments are easier to obey than others. I'll just say that. Be fruitful. Increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Now, just think about that. We're standing wherever we're standing on the point of the earth, the Garden of Eden. God says, look in every direction. There's about 25,000 miles every direction. There's deserts, there's mountains, there's valleys, there's oceans, there's seas, there's rivers. There, there's, there's places that are incredibly hot, places that are incredibly cold. And I want to see you duplicate yourself in such a way that no matter where I look, I see some reproduction of you. I, I want you to fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea. And Adam goes, sea world. And the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And God saw all that he'd made, and it was, everybody say, very good. He says it's good the first day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, the sixth day. He says it's very good. Ma'od tav, we've studied that. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now, why does he say it's very good? Just give me, how many guys are gonna give me two minutes to explain why it's very good and not just good? Give me see your hand. Two, four, six, eight, ten. I love visitors. I love visitors. It's good. Um, very good. We've talked about this, so just in brief, it's the Hebrew words ma'od, which is very, and tav, translated good. Now, the word ma'od is translated very, but it's the same word in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse, what would it be, 5, where it talks about love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So why is, why is ma'od strength in Hebrew and very in Hebrew? Listen to me. What, what he's saying is this. I created apples, and apples are good. 
But apples with seeds in them that can produce an infinite number of apples is very good. It's strong good. We're to love God not just with our strength, but with our potential. Probably a better way to translate that. Love God with all the potential that he's placed inside of you. And so we have this, this thought. It's very good. Everything I look at, whether it's a blade of grass, whether it's a blue whale, whether it's a brontosaurus rex. Yes, I just made that up, but it's funny to me. It's, it's a, it's, you know, anyway, it, it's, it's Steven Spielberg, whatever they came up with, right? I made it, and it's all able to make more of itself. It's very good. There's a few things, but it's about to spread like wildfire 25,000 miles in every direction. It's complete. It's self-replicating. It's very good. Everybody say it again. It's very good. Abony, very good. Apples, very good. Dandelions, not so much. Result of Adam's sin, I'm quite convinced, right? And then, now remember the spinning plates. Suddenly, into all this order, into all this reproductive power, into this energy and potential, into this matter, this space, and this time, which is perfectly spinning on its axis, doing exactly what it was created to do. God's ordained purpose is being carried out. Suddenly, trouble was introduced into the systems when Ab and Eve sinned. What did they do? They stepped outside of the balance. They stepped outside of the priority. They stepped outside of the authority, and they decided to become an authority. I can spin the plates better than God can spin the plates. Anybody ever been there? Be honest. I can do this better than God says, forgive my enemy, but I'd just rather punch him in the mouth and we'll work it out later. That, that's, what, that's what happened. The devil said, God's holding you back. There's a better way. He knows that when you eat this fruit of this tree, how many guys know the story? When you eat this fruit, what will happen is you'll become like God. God's actually holding you back. You were created to be more than you are and God's commandments are constraining your life with all the thou shalt nots. There was one tree. Eat everything. Go everywhere. Do everything. You're over it all. Find Shamu and make him your pony. But there's one thing you can't do. And that's the one thing they did. They believed a lie. They did what they shouldn't. And all of a sudden, these plates that are spinning perfectly begin to crash into each other. Now, this is the world as we know it today, is it not? Say, so, no, my world's pretty good. Then pick up the newspaper. No, no. Look at social media for three seconds. And what you'll find is human beings colliding with one another over some of the silliest things. What you'll find is wars where children are starving. What you'll find is pestilence with no solution. What you'll find is every time we chose to spin our own plates, we threw our plate into another plate. They stopped spinning, they started crashing. You understand what I'm saying? So, so get this. There, why do so many bad things happen? Why is the earth in such trouble is there climate change or isn't there? Is fossil fuels to blame or aren't they? Is it the Democrats' fault, the Republicans' fault? I don't know, but let's raise money blaming the other guy. Let's bring in days of our lives, now known as network news. General hospital now becomes general confusion. As the world turns, now becomes as my, my heart twirls because somebody's spinning it, getting me irritated about any cause, any conspiracy, anything. You hear me? What's happening is this. We're turning on each other. We're compartmentalizing. We're building our little silos, building our little tribes. Listen, God wants people to be in unity with him as the central point that unifies us. Amen. What's the solution to the problems between the Jews and the Palestinians? Their savior, Jesus Christ. What is, what is the lynch point for American politics? Not controversy, not conspiracy, Jesus. And you say, well, you're a preacher. That's your point of view. But you can, I can show you anywhere in history where Christ has been embraced and what was so important that it tore down a society, Jesus has the ability to rebuild and to sustain. We, we have to grasp the fact, guys, that God knew what he was doing when he built the heavens and the earth. 
and it's our desire to spin it our way that crashes into others that causes the problems that we have. Then, everybody say then. It's not just like that's bad enough, but then we have the nerve. And I'm going to say this kind of forcefully, but as a pastor, I find myself sometimes feeling like I have to stand between what God has and has not done and people that are confused by what he has and has not done. That makes sense? Why did this happen? Why didn't that happen? Then, as if it wasn't bad enough that God created this perfect place and we screwed it up because we know better than he does, not one time, repeatedly, then we have the nerve to point our finger at heaven and say it's your fault. Look at, look at this, this proverb. This is years ago. Solomon says this. A person's own folly leads to their ruin, yet their heart doesn't rage against the folly. It rages against the Lord. I, I'm not going to relay to you personal information, but I, I think you can probably understand. As a pastor, people come to me having repeated the same mistakes over and over and over again, wondering where God is. Like, where's God? God's in the truth he called you to over here. I walk out in the rain 10 times, pastor, and I walk out in the rain, and every time I get wet, where is God? It's like inside the house or under an umbrella. Understand this. There is a consequence to spinning your own plate your own way. And there's a blessing to spinning your own plate God's way. Or even better yet, taking your hand off the plate and trusting him to spin it for you. There's rhythms. Paul addresses this, guys. The, the whole conflict of sin, humanity, consequences. And, and each time he resolves this, he begins his solution or the kind of the conclusion of the argument with the word therefore. And I want you to hear me. There's gonna be three scriptures we look at then we'll be done. How many guys are gonna give me three more minutes? It's gonna take about 20, but how many guys give me three more minutes? We'll start there. In this, he, he says, this argument, this argument, both sides, this side, side A, side B, which you understand what God understands. Therefore, and he draws this conclusion. So I don't have time to give the argument, but I will give his conclusion. So number one is, is this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has what? And the old has done what? The new is where? So Jesus, you have to understand this, that as Jesus moves into your life, as long as you take all those broken pieces that were up on the screen, you say, Jesus, fix it. Forgive it. Clean it up. Help me. When, when you submit to the Lordship and his heart to save you of Jesus Christ, this is what begins to happen. Hear me. He is not going to fill your rusty holes with Bondo and then paint over the rust. He's not into masking problems. That's why a lot of us don't wanna do this. You still here? He's gonna to get to the roots of the issues. Is, is the root of the sin that I stole something? Or is it that I didn't trust my God to provide for me? Is, is the root of the lie that I, it was an, an inconvenient thing that I didn't want people to know? Or was it that I'm so afraid of the opinions of men that it's, it speaks louder in my heart than the opinion of God? So when we're going to get to the bottom of these things, understand this. He's not going to go, okay, let me just kind of smooth that out, rub a little Bondo on that hole, a little Rust-Oleum. There, you're brand new. When Jesus comes in, you are a new creation. And to walk in that newness can be a challenge. That's why we need community. Come on. Talk about that in a couple of weeks. But that community is there not to say, oh, you look so lovely. What a beautiful blouse. What a lovely brooch. Iron sharpens iron by contact, friction, and tension. You don't believe me? Go to Mary Cunningham's Bible study. <laughs> if you came to church to hear your opinions come out of my mouth so you can feel more right than you did when you walked in, you've walked into the wrong room. I'm not, I'm not here to echo. I'm here to proclaim. And the proclamation of the Lord is this. Wherever you've been and whatever you've done, Jesus has done something to counteract that and create a newness 
a brand newness in your life. The old is gone. Wow, it feels like, I don't care what it feels like. The old is gone. You are a new person through Christ Jesus, right? Second one, therefore. He's concluding the argument. Every time you see therefore, you have to ask the question, what's the therefore therefore? Like it's, it's something, this is connective tissue to the next statement. He says this, therefore, there is now just a little bit of condemnation when you really mess up. Is that what it says? Now you should feel guilty if you don't go to church at least three times a week. Now, if your shorts aren't down to past your knee length, now, like, no, now, now there is no condemnation. Let me be clear. Condemnation doesn't mean you don't feel guilt or shame or conviction. Condemnation is the result, the end result of a, of a deed done outside the will of God. The, you will not go to hell is what it's saying. Therefore, now, hell is no longer your destiny because Jesus has cleansed your history. Your condemnation is gone. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. By faith, we trust him. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you what? Come on, say it like you mean it. Has set you from the law of sin and death. We lived under this law of sin and death. I sin, I die. I sin, I die. I sin, I die. Jesus comes in. I sin, I'm forgiven. I sin, I'm forgiven. Now, that's not a license to sin. But how many guys know that when we're learning to walk, we will stumble from time to time? And it's the loving father that says, walk to me. Come on, you can do it. Walk to me. Instead of you flop down, you're just like your mother. It's not a condemning voice from heaven. It's a coaching voice from heaven saying, you can do it, kiddo. Come on, just get back up. Well, I fell. Yes, that's how we learn to walk. We learn not to lean so far one way by falling down. The sensation called pain goes, huh, shouldn't do that again. And then we hear the voice of a parent saying, stand back up. You can do this. You got this. I got you. And the same way God is teaching us how to walk. You're no longer, please hear me. If you're in Jesus, if you have trusted him with your past, whatever I did, whatever I didn't do, Jesus, it's in your hands. I trust you. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me that new creation. Don't, I don't want spray paint on Bondo. I'm on a brand new Impala. Let's just do a Bel Air, a brand new Bel Air. Let's do a Mustang. Not the electric one, but the other one, the really cool ones. <laughs> Maybe a brand new 68 Fastback. This says Shelby down the side. Come on. Preach. Yeah, we'll talk about covetousness next week, but this week we'll just, we'll just stop it. Make me that. And, and understand this, and you have to hear me. I'll say it 100 times, and it might take 102 for you to get it. So here comes number 47. You are not, in the eyes of God, the worst things you've ever done. You, to see yourself... That way, as if God's going, well, you're really a seven, not a 10. I'd bless you like an eight, but you're a seven. And I can't, I, I wish I could bless you more, but remember what you said in fourth grade to your, to your teacher? I just don't know. I mean, you kiss your mother with that mouth. I, I just, I, I understand this. You are not the worst things you've ever done. You are the best thing God has ever done for you. What Jesus sees when he looks at you is not the harm you've done to others. It's not the harm they've done to you. It's not even your, your desire to not forgive yourself, to hold you in check and punish yourself for your guilt and your shame. What he sees is what Jesus did for you on the cross as a completed work that completely paid every debt between his heart and yours. And if you see that, you have a father. And if you don't, you have a judge. Your heavenly father is not your wicked stepmother, Cinderella. Your Heavenly Father, I, I, don't, I don't know what your dad did to you or didn't to you. As a dad, we, we all fall short. None of us can be just like God to our children. But what, don't, don't, don't blame your Heavenly Father for the failures of your earthly one or the absence of him. We have to embrace the fact that we are loved, 
we are chosen, we are adored. That if the billions of the people on the planet, a heavenly finger pointed directly at your heart and said, I want that one right there. And when you said, yes, sir, you were adopted. Do you know how to live? Well, I don't know. I, I've been in an orphanage for a long time. Don't worry about it. I'll teach you how to live, not just as a son, not just as a daughter, but as royalty with authority. It's a process. You are no longer the worst things you've done. You're no longer the worst things that were done to you. You're no longer the things you want to blame yourself for. You are, in God's eyes, the best thing he has ever done for you. And lastly, therefore, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, do we agree that God's merciful? How many guys deserve forgiveness? Don't raise your hand in the church, lightning bolts, right? Yeah, I deserve it. I'm, I'm better than the guy next to me. I should go to heaven, he should go to hell. Like, stop. It's not about good or bad. It's about innocent or guilty. First time you sin, you're guilty. I, I, I walked in guilt and shame for years. Jesus came and forgave me. It blew my mind, right? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of this beautiful mercy of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God. This is your true, this is your proper worship. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world being pressed into its mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, everybody say then. Then what you're gonna see is you're, you're gonna know the truth and the truth will set you free. You'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Piano person, join me if you would. Piano girl today, I believe, right? Thank you. How uh, you guys know that, that Brett landed at 3 a.m.? Uh, he was ministering in Idaho. He has not slept yet, and he stayed awake his entire set. Isn't that beautiful? What a sacrifice, you know? That's, that's great. So when you see him, punch him and say, why'd you schedule it so close? You're stupid, and then walk away. <laughs> so I, I want to I just take this last, this last minute or so. How are we gonna get the plate spinning again as it should? That's a good question. Do you agree? If my plate crashes your plate and your plate crashes my plate, how do we spin our plate so they just spin? How do we get the order, the rhythm from the garden back again activated in our life? We're gonna be talking about this for the next six weeks. We're gonna talk about Sabbath. I didn't expect it. Lyndon, did you amen? Because Fenton's like, I, I, I. We're gonna talk about tithing. <laughs> you knew better that time, didn't you? Lyndon's like, Amen. He's watching. He's always watching. He's like Santa. We're going to talk about peace. How many guys know? We'll learn this next week. Did you know that nine is greater than 10? And that six is greater than seven? When you put that last one in God's hand or that first one in God's hand? It's crazy. Peace. How do you get peace? You just spin the plate God's way, believing that God has established this thing to spin the way that it is. It's beautiful. It's waiting for us next week. Community. What's it mean to be in fellowship? How many of you know God will do great things in rows, but the bigger thing God wants to do in your life, he puts you into a smaller circle. Listen to me, the biggest things Jesus did in people's lives were never in large settings. It was always 12, sometimes three, sometimes one. Why? Because when God wants to do something big in your life, he puts you into a smaller group. That's come up in two weeks. Identity blessing and peace. How many of you guys can look yourself in the eye and say, I knew exactly who God made you to be? One of the pastors of my life, my wife talked about it. I love the thought that, that you would know who God made you to be. And then you'd have the joy of a hammer that gets to pound nails or a paintbrush that gets to paint masterpieces or a 68 Mustang fastback that gets to break the sound barrier. Whatever God made you to be, we're gonna just explore that. We're gonna use an opportunity four weeks from the day to talk about service as purpose, like being who God made you to be. We're gonna talk about service as worship, where your life becomes this, this offering to God. My goal as your pastor is not to get you to build this ministry. My goal as your pastor is to help you build yours. You've got a ministry inside of you. 
And I want you to, I want you to know what that is and not be so confused because you're filling up that plate and there's this crashing thing and where are you, God? I see it so often. How many of you guys know in the next six weeks we can set a direction that will literally alter not just our life but the generations to come behind us? That's in front of us. So we'll close with this thought. What if the areas of my life kind of look like this right now? The broom's out, but there's still a mess. Um, yeah. And anybody that, that pretty equally describes your life, anybody besides me, it's like, yeah, I'm, I, there, there's some things that are working and there's a broom that's cleaning things up, but I'll be honest with you, it's, it's not a pile of wreckage, but there's some things still on the ground I'm learning how to spin. Anybody else? If you'd like, no, that's dishonesty. You should learn how to spin honesty. It's kind of important. So, but understand this, guys. Every wise person was once a fool. Every wise person. What's a wise person? It's not a smart person. Wisdom is more than, than knowledge known. It's, it's applicable knowledge. I learned how to walk. I learned the wisdom of walking by falling down quite a bit, and so did you. I learned the wisdom of running by having older siblings and needing to get out of their grass quickly. And so did you, if you're a younger sibling. If not, then you're one of the evil older siblings. I pray for you. We, we learn by doing. We learn by growing. God gives us two things, and I'll close with this. There's instant change, and there's progressive change. Instant change. John 3, 3, born again. John 3, 16, God so loves you that if you give your life to him today, if you put your trust in him, you shall not perish but have everlasting life. Instant change. No bondo, no painted over rust. You hear me? How many of you know beyond the instant change, we need progressive change? How many of you guys ever thought you'd hear me say progressive change is a good thing? Progressive change. Change through progress. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Not being conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but transformed, continual tense, by the renewing, continual tense, of the mind. The way you see yourself, the way you see God, it's the filter through which you see things rightly or poorly. There's instant change. And if I give my life to Jesus today, Father, forgive me my sins. Come into my heart. I, I confess my sins to you. I want to be born again. How many of you know God's going to do an instant miracle? But what if, I'm a, what if I'm $20 million in debt when I do that? Do I go back to my account the next day and they say, your sins are forgiven and your account is paid in full? Is that going to happen? No. But the instant change creates something that changes the other things progressively. Because I'm $20 million in debt because I'm not enough without it, now that I have a father, I'm plenty with him. And contentment comes in my soul. And I start to pay my debts instead of incurring new ones. And I don't care about the car I drive, the house I live in, or how big the rock is on my ring. What I care about is the propagation of the kingdom of God. And in doing that, I become a giver instead of a taker. I, what I have is enough. I don't, I don't need more to make me enough. And all of a sudden, that, that $20 million becomes $19 million, and then $18 million. And the day comes where I call Dave Ramsey, and I scream, debt free, right? How's that happen? One step at a time. It's going to take time. So there's things in your life that are immediate, and there's things in your life that are progressive, and God's doing both those things. Right now, let's just say this. For the next six weeks, we're going to dedicate ourselves to understanding some of the progressive changes to get back into the rhythm for which God has created us and the world around us to live in. But today I wanna to go after a little bit of just immediate change. I'm gonna turn the service back over to Pastor Jason in Linden, at least if we're still on the air in Linden. I hope that we are. And Pastor Jason, if you'll stand on the platform, he doesn't know this, I can actually see him right now. Pastor Jason, would you stand on the platform? I can't, I can't. Would you stand on the platform, please? Turn to your left. Now, now turn to your right. Now stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. This is fun, I can't see you. Linden, God bless you. Go for it. Fenton. How many of you guys believe in miracles? Second question. 
How many, how many believe that God does miracles? How many believe that God loves you? And he wants to do a miracle in your life today if you need one. To do this, close your eyes. I, w- I want to tell you something. I just heard this in my heart. Nothing's off the table. There's nothing you can't before God ask for today. I, I didn't say God's going to, you know, give you Mercedes Benz. I didn't. I'm just saying this. I just heard in my spirit, tell them to ask. I don't know what that means to you. What it means to me is there's some things that have been lingering in my heart and I've been, is this you? Is this not you? How do I do this? How do I do this well? What do I do? Doors are opening. I don't, God, I just want to back away. I've heard the Holy Spirit tell me, and I believe it's not just for me, but it's, it might not even be for me at all, but I know it's for you. Tell them to ask. Today's the day to ask for that. Today it's okay to ask for that. So Father, whether we need healing in our bodies for someone else's, whether we need direction for our lives or the direction in the lives of the people we love. Father, I pray today that we would ask the one who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we asked, all we thought, all we imagined. Dan Abel in Florida, ask. Judy Olson in Tennessee, ask, ask. Jim and Carrie Parkin and Graham Blank, ask. People in this room right now, ask. Down, down in Mississippi, ask. My family in New York, ask. Here, now, ask. God, we ask. We are not the things that we've done or we couldn't ask. We are the things you've done for us. And so we can ask. Let your kingdom now come and you will be done. Listen, if there's something that stands between your heart and God's heart, the greatest miracle God will ever do is not the healing of the body. It's the forgiving of a sin. That forgiveness cost Jesus his blood. I know that may be hard to understand, but think of it this way. If I were to walk into a place and run up a tab, a hundred million dollar tab, and it came time to pay, I wouldn't be able to pay. As I'm standing there facing the fact that the consequences of my actions, suddenly there's a tap on my shoulder and I turn around and there's Jesus standing with a crown of thorns on his head. His eyes closed from the beating he took, his hands pierced by the nails, his side pierced by the spear, blood and water flowing down over his body, his feet mangled by the spike that held him on a cross. And he said to me these words, Jim, I'll take care of it. How many of you know my debt is forgiven? My sins are accounted for and paid for. It costs Jesus, the Son of God, everything to pay for everything that I was ever going to do and everything you were ever going to do and everything the world was ever going to do. So come on, let's, let's, let's win for the Lamb of God the reward for his suffering today, can we? How do we do that? We just say, Jesus, forgive me. That's why he went through what he went through. That's why he endured what he endured. That's why he didn't quit where all of us would have quit. Tormented in body, soul, spirit, agony beyond agony. Yeah, Jesus endured it all. Not, not because he likes pain any more than we do, but because he loves us. So what, would, what would you take to save the life of your child? My kid needed a kidney transplant to save his life. I grab a dull, rusty spoon and dig it out of my back for him. Why? Because love can't not do what's needed. Love just has to do what it has to do. Jesus just did what he had to do. So will you do now what you can do? I'm not right with you, God. I stand apart from you, and I I don't want that anymore. So I pray for an immediate miracle that gets my life back into the rhythm of grace 
back into the rhythm of walking with you, into the rhythm of, of mercy, into the rhythm of walking as a child of God, adopted, not perfect, but perfectly loved, learning how to walk, back spinning on that axis, broken pieces coming together in Jesus' name, filling me with the Spirit, giving me promises that I can stand on. Come on. If that's you right now over this room, would you just tell him right now in your own way, Jesus, I ask for that. That which Jim just spoke about, I ask for that. Forgive me. Set me free. Make me new. Give me a miracle. We'll learn about the progressive miracles. They, they play alongside. There's another rhythm to progressive miracles. But understand this, that rhythm, that rhythm of God's mercy, this one right here in your life, Grab onto that right now. Jesus, I can't save myself. I don't even want to try. I failed. I surrender. Now teach me the rhythms of grace that I can walk in those things. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on. Would you stand to your feet, please? I'd like to just, this one last thing as you stand. Nobody leave. People are coming forward to spend some time just standing here prepared to pray for you. So if your, your dad needs a miracle or you need a miracle, if you like prayer for anything, you're like, hey, I, you know that, I, I got some questions still. It's cool and all, but I'm not quite sure what to do next. This is what happens next right here. If you're new to the congregation, your first time here, I got some questions, some thoughts. I'd like to get to know or meet some people, learn about other stuff. Our guest room is right back there. Pastor Ian will be back there afterwards. If your children are in children's ministry, um, you know, just just. Just enjoy people as you walk through that large floor away. Get to know people. But go get your kids. Let them enjoy the people you're meeting as well. Let's fellowship before we go. Amen. If you run out here and get in your cars, may the fleas of a thousand camels infest both your armpits. Come on. We're not here to hear a great sermon. We're here, we're here to be a part of the body of Christ. So grab a cup of coffee. Let the kids play for a while. It's a beautiful day. It's, it's going to rain as soon as you walk out the door. Stay here. Enjoy. In the meantime, may God bless you so much that you overflow as a blessing into the world. May you be like light in a dark place. May you be like salt that, that affects everything that it touches. May God comfort your heart and then make you comforting to those who grieve. May God fill you up, make you an example, light you up in such a way that when you walk through the room, demons jump out the windows and sinners run into your arms and give their life to Jesus. And you say, that's, that's fictitious. It's not. God will cause people to come to Jesus because of the, the, the scripture that is written on your heart. May you read it loudly for the world to hear. Live long and prosper. God bless you. You are dismissed. We'll see you next week. We're going to talk some more next week. Looking forward to it.